We're going to start off this show with some new dates on COVID's origin story, as well as a recap of House Republicans' funniest committee moments, and follow all of that up with a story on how one maggot learned the true meaning of the First Amendment, while a few others think that America needs a national gun. Let's begin, shall we? The U.S. Department of Energy handles a lot of energy-related things, but it's a little-known fact that they also oversee a network of 17 U.S. national laboratories, like the one at Berkeley, California. There's also one in Upton, New York, and there's even a lab in the great chicken-fried state of Ohio. Some of these facilities conduct advanced biological research, and for those of you who didn't pay attention in high school science class, that means these labs do experiments on what could kill humans, animals, and plant life using known viruses. And if that sounds like exposition from an 80s science flick, you're probably watching too many John Carpenter movies starring Kurt Russell. Recently, the Department of Energy made a bold move and published a report of a supposed origin story to the COVID virus that is so controversial even they have barely any confidence in what they're saying. An updated classified intel report saying that the U.S. Department of Energy has assessed that the source of the COVID-19 pandemic likely came from a China lab leak. Symbolic of a larger divide within the intelligence community on how the virus started with agencies differing on whether the novel coronavirus may have leaked from a laboratory or through natural transmission. But there is one major caveat. Sources at the Department of Energy tell CNN that the report has, quote, low confidence. Though it's not clear whether that reflects weak data or limited information. Hmm. You know, it sounds to me like the Department of Energy has been spending way too many long nights watching Fox and surfing 4chan common threads. And what's this with releasing a report when you barely have confidence in what the report is saying? Especially when six other U.S. agencies, including something called the National Intelligence Panel, says, nah, COVID is all natural, baby. The FBI weighed in saying something that kind of sounds like something, but it's really nothing. <laughs> Here's the current director of the FBI and holdover from the former guy's administration, Mr. Christopher Wray, clarifying his agency's take on the whole COVID origin story. The FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Okay, let me get this straight. So... The FBI director, Christopher Ray's response to whether or not the COVID virus originated in a laboratory in Wuhan, China is... Possibly maybe. <laughs> I would think that the director of the FBI would be able to get his hands on any, if not all, intelligence regarding where the COVID 
virus came from. So he would be able to give a definitive answer when asked by reporters, but <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. It turns out that the Bureau of Intelligence actually runs on supposition. Oh, and just in case you're curious, the CIA has decided to identify as Switzerland when it comes to wherever COVID hails from. The CIA has chosen to have no comment except to say this. Wasn't me. Oh, absolutely, CIA. We believe you. Nod, nod, wink, wink. But you know who doesn't believe the Department of Energy or the FBI? Besides the majority of the U.S. intel community? Why, none other than China. Calling out China, the U.S. ambassador to China tonight demanding the country, quote, be more honest about the origin of COVID-19. We're going to have to push China to be more honest about what happened three years ago in Wuhan with the origin of the, of the uh, COVID-19 crisis. Chinese government tonight, as usual, is denying the lab leak theory. China, predictably, is furious and pushing back. They're not happy with it. This infuriates them. This is one of the most sensitive issues for the Chinese government. China's foreign ministry Monday calling on the U.S. to stop smearing China and stop politicizing the issue of the virus origin. And if you stand on the Pacific coast and squint your eyes, you can see China waving their angry fists at the DOE for even semi-suggesting that COVID originated from a leak at their Wuhan lab, which just so happens to be located 30 minutes away from a wet market where it has been suggested with low confidence by the DOE. The virus spread to humans after infecting seafood sold at said market. And let's not forget, it was Chinese officials themselves who first linked cases of COVID to the aforementioned wet market, postulating in April of 2019 that COVID must have trampolined from fish to humans in a very natural way, of course. Oh, and there is that 2018 Chinese government sanctioned report published by the Director of National Biosafety at the Wuhan lab a year before we found out about COVID. Roll tape. Some have questioned the lab staff's training, and the Chinese themselves even raised concerns in 2018. At the time, the WIB's director, Yuang Jiming, co-authored a paper pointing out safety issues across all biosafety labs in China. He warned in part that there was a lack of enough operable technical standards. And then there is the Wuhan CDC laboratory, which conducted experiments with coronaviruses and bats and just so happens to be located two blocks away from that wet market where Chinese officials say that they traced the very first cases of COVID right back to. So naturally, Republican chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee and prominent user of the phrase Wuhan flu, Michael McCall, felt so vindicated because he had produced a report back in 2021 which said, quote, COVID was leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology because of dangerously unsafe conditions at the lab. And the release turned into a global COVID-19 pandemic because the Chinese Communist Party focused on covering up their mistake instead of warning the world, end quote. But he also said this on CNN. I do believe because it was at a level two facility, 
not level four. Level two is very low-grade uh, security that it did leak out as they are trying to create this monster in the virus with an eye towards creating a, a vaccine. Oh, so it was a bioweapon created in a Chinese lab that was released so that the people of Wuhan could become guinea pigs for the Chinese government, who, of course, forgot that the Lunar Festival and one of the biggest travel times of the year was about to commence, which would then turn their little experiment in Wuhan into a global pandemic. (laughs) Six out of eight U.S. intelligence agencies say that that is definitely not how it went down, no matter how many guests on Fox Prime Time suggest it. Was it an undertrained lab tech who didn't wash their hands before leaving work, stopped off at a seafood market to get something for dinner, and happened to touch everything even though they didn't buy very much, and then thereby spreading COVID all over the uh, the shrimp and the eel and the crab, which was to be later eaten by other patrons who would get infected and then travel across the world, and how the fuck should I know? And the point is, neither does the DOE or the FBI, at least with any confidence. But Colorado's favorite high school dropout, Lauren Boba Fett, isn't going to let anything stop her from blaming COVID on Joe Biden. And lucky for us, she spoke her stupid at a public hearing, which prompted Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin to make a point to educate Miss GED 2020 on the importance of timeline of events. Um, You're right. President Trump was in office when the COVID virus was released from a lab in in China, from the Wuhan lab. And he tried to make that very clear that this came from China. And reporters regularly dismissed that. I appreciate the gentlelady's passion. There are two facts that she should perhaps be alerted to. One is that Donald Trump, on more than 20 different occasions, defended the performance of the Chinese government and specifically President Xi in terms of his treatment of COVID-19. So if there's a problem with the Chinese government unleashing a virus, which has not been proven anywhere, but it certainly could be true, you would have to pin that on your uh, favorite president, Donald Trump, not on Joe Biden. The second thing is President Trump's own special advisor on COVID-19, Deborah Burke, uh, said that the lethal recklessness of Donald Trump's policies about COVID-19 cost Americans hundreds of thousands of lives. That's Donald Trump's own special advisor on COVID-19. Thank you for yielding, and I have to yield back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, now that Bobblehead gets to sit on committees, she thinks it's ultra MAGA time, where what happened in the past can be rewritten with the flick of a failed restaurateur's wrist. Thankfully, Congressman Raskin was there to gently explain to OnlyFans Velma how timeline of events is very crucial when you're trying to wave the blame finger because... Even if we take this theory for fact and say, okay, COVID did leak from a lab in Wuhan, China, that doesn't change the fact that old Wack Donald got rid of the U.S. pandemic response team back in May of 2018, leaving Americans with no one to respond once COVID decided to move in. It also doesn't change the fact that the Big Lebowski suggested people inject bleach and shine light into their body along with taking ivermectin to treat COVID rather than wear a mask and take 
strong medical advice, nor does it change the fact that an estimated 400,000 Americans died of COVID while drinks with two hands was still in charge. Where COVID came from does not change the fact that the previous administration's way of handling the pandemic was unnecessarily deadly. So if we're going to play the blame game, let's at least pin the tail on the right donkey. And while I'm sure Boba Fett's team is going to get right on that, let's move on to our favorite member of the maggot minions infecting the House of Representatives, Georgia's electoral disaster and howler monkey impersonator Marmaduke Thickheaded Green, who recently posted on Twitter to show everyone two truths. Number one, never let fat fingers stop you from public humiliation. And two, the internet is forever. Here is a very dramatic reenactment of the crying Karen's tweet. I was attacked in a restaurant tonight by an insane woman and screamed at by her adult son. They had no respect for the restaurant or the staff or the other people dining or people like me who simply have different political views. They are self-righteous, insane, and completely out of control. I was sitting at my table working with my staff and never even noticed these people until they turned into demons. People used to respect others even if they had different views, but not anymore. Our country is gone. <laughs> oh, bless her Neolithic heart. There is so much to unpack from that Karen-sized privilege party Madge was having for herself over on the self-proclaimed last bastion of free speech on the internet. First off, if you can't take the heckle, honey, quit doing it yourself. See, pre-elected to Congress, the hypocritical clan mom recorded herself in March of 2019 stalking and heckling Parkland shooting survivor and then 18-year-old high school student David Hogg when he was walking down the street to get to the Capitol building because he was invited to testify to Congress about the horrors an AR-15 can do to a child's body. And being the gun porn aficionado that she is, Mayonnaise did not like that. So she did this is a scene of her from March 2019 chasing David Hogg, one of those kids who survived the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas attack and went on to try to advocate for gun laws. How did you get over 30 appointments with senators? How'd you do that? How did you get major press coverage on this issue? And how did you get kids? Why do you use kids? He's got nothing to say. Sad. He has nothing to say because there really isn't anything to say, you guys. He has nothing to say because he's paid to do this. He had 30, 30 um, appointments where he ran around and got to talk to senators. I got to talk to none, none. He had media coverage all over the place. I had zero. Guess what? I'm a gun owner. I'm an American citizen. And I have nothing but this guy with his George Soros funding and his major liberal funding has got everything. I want you to think about that. That's where we are. And he's a coward. He can't say one word because he can't defend his stance. Just remember, folks, it's all about ratings for this pistol-packing QAnon. Never mind that this future stupid electoral decision by Georgia's 14th district was stalking 
an 18-year-old high school student who just a month earlier had been shot at by an AR-15, as well as watched his fellow classmates die from being shot at by an AR-15. No, that's, that's not what's important. Massive temper tantrum grenade was running for her current house seat at the time that she did this. And she thought that because she's got a gun, she should be heard. And to round all of this off, I want to now present to you a dramatic reenactment of a response tweet by Parkland shooting survivor and maggot stalking victim David Hogg hate when that happens. I was attacked and screamed at in 2018 by an insane woman named Marjorie Taylor Greene. She had no respect for the privacy of me as an 18-year-old school shooting survivor or my staff. She was self-righteous, insane, and completely out of control. Oh, but the heckling doesn't stop there. Because moving on from traumatizing school shooting victims, the not-yet-Congress Karen recorded herself yet again in 2019, yelling trailer park level banter into a mail slot at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's congressional office door. <laughs> Take a listen. All right, we're going to go see, we're going to visit um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Crazy eyes. Crazy eyes. Nutty Cortez. Okay, hang with us, guys. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm an American citizen. I pay your salary through the taxes that you collect from me through the IRS because I'm a tax-paying citizen of the United States. So you need to stop being a baby and stop locking your door and come out and face the American citizens that you serve. If you want to be a big girl, you need to get rid of your diaper and come out and be able to talk to the American citizens instead of us having to use a flap, a little flap. You know, if I didn't know any better, I would say that mad truck stop garbage mouth comes from a place where confrontation is just another form of communication. But then again, from what I just heard, I'm pretty sure this troglodyte learned everything she knows about diplomacy from binge-watching reruns of Cops. Because once the voters in Georgia's 14th district went full QAnon, the loudest woman in the honky-tonk Barbie was able to attend her very first State of the Union address, which also happened to be Biden's very first State of the Union address. And... Well, I'm sure you can guess what happened. When Biden mentioned some Republicans have expressed interest in sunsetting Medicare and Social Security, the howler monkey from Georgia used her big girl voice and screamed liar, along with other yelly knuckle-draggers from her trope. But before anyone gets bent out of shape over mustard-stained trousers, greens, primate cosplay... Just remember, she acts like a Karen to make up for the fact that she's definitely not smarter than a fifth grader. Here's the tan, bed, bronzed embarrassment from Georgia, proving that being poorly educated is a prerequisite to Republican Party membership. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We have one job in the federal government, and that is to protect the United States of America, our national security and all Americans, their life, their liberty, and their pursuit of happiness. And since the Biden administration has taken over, there has been a direct result in the number of deaths in this country from fentanyl. 
I want you to know that in 2020, there were 4.8 thousand pounds of fentanyl seized by CBP. But in 2021, fiscal year 2021, it increased to 11.2 thousand pounds of fentanyl was seized by the CBP. That is a direct result of Biden administration failure policies. Now, here we are in to date, to date, fiscal, fiscal year 2023, they have already seized, or seized 12.5 thousand pounds of fentanyl. The Biden administration is failing this country by not protecting our border and securing our border and stopping Chinese fentanyl from being brought into our country illegally by the cartels. <laughs> Illiterate Mad keeps using the word seized like she's somehow pointing out a devious action by the Biden administration. But in the immortal words of Inigo Montoya, You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And now for a grammar lesson. The word seized means, quote, to take hold of something suddenly and forcefully. In other words, with every passing year, the Biden administration and the Border Patrol have been suddenly and forcefully taking more and more fentanyl before it can enter the United States. And for those of you listening from Georgia's 14th District, that means our current Border Patrol is doing a better job at stopping fentanyl from getting into the hands of Georgians than Dolt 45 ever did. But if you thought the stupid stop there, you would be wrong. The mathematically challenged prehistoric woman from Georgia was howling during a congressional meeting this week on the effects of COVID lockdowns on American education systems with specific focus on our children. And she readily admits that she can't quantify anything that she's saying, but it doesn't stop her from busting out a porky pig impression. Roll tape. What it did to our children's math and reading levels is horrific. Uh, school closures brought them to the lowest levels in years. English eighth graders, math proficiency dropped by seven points. Reading levels dropped by two points. There are 1,524 524 and 481, this is over 1 million. I know our congressional leaders should lead by example, but when you point out how math and reading comprehension scores are going down, and in the very next breath, you embody both of those deficiencies at once, now you're just being extra. We all know this archaeological disaster is all about the clicks because being cool on social media is currency in maggot world. I'm simply suggesting that Mayonnaise toddler GED should get someone on her staff to just think these stunts all the way through because becoming the poster child for education (laughs) illiteracy probably wasn't Madge's intention, but here we are. And another thing, Georgia isn't the only state not sending their best to Congress. Florida's favorite six head and alleged child sex trafficker, Matt Gates, 
made an ass out of himself, which for him is normally called Tuesday, but when he demanded that the House committees all say the Pledge of Allegiance before every hearing and then did something so trailer park trash, Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell had to call him out, well, (laughs) we got this. Roll tape. The very first committee hearing of this Congress, after we'd all agreed on what the committee's plan was going to be, Mr. Gates wanted to offer an amendment to say the Pledge of Allegiance. But who did he bring in here to say the Pledge of Allegiance? Somebody that he met at a gun club, he said. Mr. Cicilline had the crazy idea that maybe we should vet the people who come in here, make sure they're not insurrectionists. Mr. McClintock said, well, it's not like we're going to invite somebody who committed murder. Okay, well, who did Mr. Gates bring? Corey Beekman. Corey Beekman, in 2019, was in a standoff with the Michigan police after he was arrested and charged with murder. That's why there's a trust deficit here. You pull off a public stunt to try and own the libs, and what you did was you brought in a guy who allegedly shot two people and killed one of them. That's where the trust deficit is. So you can play your games, conduct your stunts. We're here to get shit done. That is impressive sophomoric levels of turnaround when you say that it won't happen and then instantly it happens. So now owning the libs includes inviting murderers or alleged murderers to lead Congress in a pledge of allegiance. And if that isn't the quickest turnaround I've ever seen, I don't know what is. Sure, Gates looks like an orange on a toothpick, but apparently that noggin is just filled with primetime reruns from Fox and maybe an exhausted hamster on a broken wheel because no one with at least a 2.5 GPA would have thought this political stunt would have worked out. I mean, I know that Florida's Governor Fuhrer and little man who shops at the big and tall store, Ron DeSantis, ordered all the books to be removed from K-12 through schools, but I'm sure that didn't mean that Gates had to purge his personal collection of popular young adult fiction that he allegedly uses to relate to his underage dates. Aw, <laughs> who am I kidding? We all know Matt doesn't read. If he did, he would have known his friend from the gun show was maybe a potential murderer and that the girls that he sleeps with are underage. And now for something completely different. Lots of celebrities, public figures, and no longer closet racists who now feel emboldened to speak their KKK truth out loud and on social media ever since the slob father took the laziest escalator ride ever recorded are suddenly getting upset over experiencing consequences for their actions. They complain about being canceled, but It's really just karma. The latest old white guy to wave his tiki torch of free speech at society is cubicle humor expert and Dilbert creator Scott Adams. While most angry boomers just call into PBS when they're feeling a bit yelly, Scott decided to air his cringeworthy complaints about every single black person on his podcast. And the rest is another satisfying moment in Fuck Around and Find Out. Newspapers across the country are dropping the Dilbert comic strip after its creator Scott Adams went on a tirade this weekend calling black Americans a hate group and advising white people to stay away from them. 
Adams on his YouTube show referenced a poll by Rasmussen. That's a pro-Trump media company whose polls do not meet CNN standards. The Dilbert creator referencing a poll that indicated 53% of black Americans agree with the statement, it's okay to be white. If you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, uh, that's a hate group. The best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where, you know, I have a very low black population. Just, wow. And by the way, I completely agree with every newspaper and corporation that decided to drop Scott like a swastika once this went viral. And I know that the defenders of Scott will go to the uh, old favorite, it's a violation of free speech. And that's because reading comprehension really wasn't one of their strong suits when they were in grade school. First off, the First Amendment only applies to the U.S. and state governments. They don't have the right to censor speech from citizens that they don't like. Let me give you an example of what the violation of the First Amendment would look like in the real world by playing a clip of something that actually happened during Dumpster Fire's administration. You testified about a 2019 tweet that was about President Trump, and I think it was from uh, Ms. Teagan. What was the tweet about? Would you like me to give the direct quote? Yeah. Please excuse my language. This is a direct quote, but Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a Okay. Free speech. And what happened after Ms. Teigen posted her tweet? What did the White House do? What did the Trump White House do? From my understanding, the White House reached out to ask that this tweet be removed. That right there, my friends, is why we have a First Amendment. It is to protect U.S. citizens from a member of the U.S. government, then sitting President's Orange Mussolini, from using their position of power to coerce any corporation, in this instance a social media corporation, to remove a user's tweet, which is their free speech just because they don't like it. What Scott is experiencing is the find out part of his white supremacist style rant over a poll conducted by a group that displays a demonstrative bias towards the marginally sentient spray tan and his bigoted sentiments. Every newspaper, publishing company, and talent agent who have built a wall suddenly between Scott and his Dilbert money have every right to do so for one good reason. Blatant racism coming from a white man of privilege isn't popular amongst the money-spending public. And since more and more potential customers seem to be spending with their morals, as you should, corporations have been forced to realize that it's not cost-effective to stand behind a pasty boomer who said the part that you're never supposed to say out loud under any circumstances, let alone on camera, to an audience of like-minded George Wilsons. But don't cry for Scott, even after all of these consequences chasing him right now. His net worth, the money that he is just sitting on in the bank, that he doesn't have to use on living expenses, is a gobsmacking $75 million. And while we're on the subject of playing stupid gains and winning stupid prizes, Alabama is known for a lot of things, like having the second most deadly city in the United States, going all the way back to 20, 
18. But the one thing Alabama isn't known for is turning out highly educated people with the state being 39th place out of 50th for reading and 40th for math. Case in point, the voters of Alabama's second congressional district choice for House Representative in 2021, an avid 2020 election denier, Mr. Barry Moore. And just in case you're wondering if Barry from the Bama is devoid of human emotions, this man decided to hand out assault rifle pins to his fellow NRA donor cash recipients on Capitol Hill as a fuck you to victims of gun violence because Barry specifically chose the National Gun Violence Survivors Week to pull this stunt. Because Barry wasn't just sharing flair allegedly paid for by gun manufacturers to drum up business since their most popular product is exclusively the gun of choice of mass shooters. It was a marketing campaign for a new bill Barry and his friends in low places came up with to give the AR-15 some help with rebranding. If some Republican lawmakers have their way, they will have a national gun here in America as the AR-15, traditionally a weapon of war. The lawmakers introducing an actual bill to make that assault weapon the, quote, national gun of the U.S. The AR-15 has been one essential piece of Americana for over six decades. And this bill would recognize its most common configuration as our country's national gun. Ah, you got that right. The AR-15 is definitely a symbol of something. And that something is mass shootings. Because when an AR-15 is involved, six times as many people get shot, which means more people die. That's according to every town for gun safety. And not for nothing, but maybe this whole thing is just a joke because it looks like deceitful George Santos has just jumped on the assault rifle bandwagon. Congressman, well, once again, he's come up with a new one. Congressman George Santos is taking heat for co-sponsoring a controversial gun bill. It's a gun resolution. Santos has been seen walking the halls of Congress with a gun lapel. Republican freshman rep co-sponsored House Bill 1095. That would declare an AR-15 style rifle to be the national gun of the United States. What's your reasoning behind that? My approach with that came just purely from a, it's, it's a resolution, so it's more about recognition. This is a gun manufactured in the United States, creates jobs in the United States. It's a made-in-America gun, and I mean, we have national everything, but why not have a national gun? It's, 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 uh, it saves lives on a daily basis, and it's not reported. Oh, the lies are strong with this one. So, liar, liar, Santos pants on fire is stumbling over his own bullshit about AR-15 saving lives. Because anyone will tell you, and statistics will show you, that as of 2019, 85% of mass shootings were perpetrated by a person with an AR-15. And that is because... When the assailant has an AR-15, you are twice as likely to be shot. That's why they don't show up with a handgun or a non-assault rifle. And that is according to the Giffords Law Center. So where exactly would pathological liar George have gotten the idea that guns make us safer? Well, perhaps he just visited Oklahoma. 
and was listening to anti-government conspiracy theorist and Oklahoma's 33rd district worst electoral decision for state Senate since 2012, Mr. Nathan Dam. He recently sat down with Jon Stewart to elaborate on why he believes that regulations are the problem, except when it's individuals who are the problem, but all of this is just a barrier to gun safety. You're saying more guns makes us more safe. Yes, I believe it's the individual that is the problem. If uh, you don't have background checks mm -hmm. and you don't have registration and permitting, how do you know who has a problem in terms of the people who you're giving a gun to? Most the even registry law would allow you to have much more effective background checks. Mm -hmm. If we had gun registration, if we were able to track purchases, if we are, they have a technology that every bullet would be stamped with an individual like a fingerprint. If we had an ATF that wasn't defunded, we would be able to enforce gun laws more effectively and we would be able to solve gun crimes more effectively. I'm defending the individual's right to keep and bear arms. So you're saying other things. that registering is an infringement? Yes. You guys all heard that, right? First, Nathan says that more guns will make us safer, but it's the individual, not the gun, that makes us unsafe, which is why we need more guns. But any form of gun registration is an attack on the individual's right to buy and keep a gun. So we're going to have it both ways. See, guns make us safe when we have more of them. But individuals, according to Nate, happen to be the problem. And since they are the ones buying the gun, the problem really is the fact that they have a right that shouldn't be infringed upon, regardless of whether or not we know whether or not that individual is a problem or not. Because again, it's the individual that makes us unsafe, not the gun. So the individual can have the gun, but we can't find out whether or not the individual is safe with the gun. And if the gun becomes unsafe, it's the individual, not the Look, this level of Cirque du Soleil mental gymnastics that one has to go through in order to realize that these people are just morally bankrupt individuals who will stand for the biggest donors, which happen to be gun manufacturers. Instead of protecting the 735 people who died in Oklahoma last year because of individuals with guns, or maybe... This senator thinks that being the 13th highest in gun-related deaths in the nation is a good way to drum up tourism for Oklahoma. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday. Follow the show on social media to keep up with all of our latest posts. You can listen to us on Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, or basically just anywhere you listen, and thank you again for doing so. Tadur for now.